Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Ice Sport Radio. It's our BSH Radio Rest of the League show, and it's been quite a week in the league. Uh, we have body slams going on. There's not enough fighting, according to me and some other old heads. We're going to get right into it. Of course, my name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. Uh, let's Yeah, let's just get right to it, guys. Uh, how about Carcelo's mustache herself, Kelly Henkel? So I think it's just you and Don Cherry, actually, are the only two people <laughs> who think there's not enough fighting. Um, yeah, so I'm super pumped to see that now that we've settled into the new hockey season, NHL coaches are still determined to make the most exciting thing they've come up with in years, three-on-three overtime, as boring and slow as humanly possible. It's all coaches, all coaches are bad, you know? They're just the worst. You know, I used uh, to think you were crazy when you said that, but you're absolutely on to something. No, like, look at Quenville, look at Babcock, they all suck. They're, like, <laughs> they're all just making the game worse. Uh, and from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Uh, so we're going to spend most of the next, I guess, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, however long the show goes, talking about teams that are starting out the season doing very well. And, and we should be. That's what the, this show is about. But I'd like to make this point just to, you know, let's not get too certain that the teams that are playing really well now are amazing and the teams that are playing poorly now are awful. The Ottawa Senators are 3-2-1 and one after, six, after six games. Does anybody think they're good or even just mediocre? I think they're turning around, Charlie. They're riding the ship. <laughs> you know, I I liked what Ottawa was doing, just realizing, because it's Guy Boucher, you know, the master of, yeah, we're not even going to forecheck. We're going to make the game as boring as possible. Uh, and, like, I kind of liked, yeah, we're just activating everybody because we know we're terrible, so why not take chances? Uh, and now, like, you know, Brady Tuchuk is out for, I think, a month. Uh, it's a shame for Ottawa because... I don't know. I kind of liked what they were doing, but yeah, absolutely not. They're not good. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be one of the three worst teams in hockey. And it's one of the things that gives me pause when I get real, real upset about what the Flyers are doing. I'm looking around the league like, you know, San Jose doesn't have a goal from any of its defensemen yet. That's probably not going to hold true. Most of the stuff we're seeing right now is not going to hold true. I wanted to brag a little about how my New Jersey Devils looking pretty good, but again, a couple of games, we'll see. Gross. I It, it really hurts me to say things like my New Jersey Devils, because I don't like, to. I just, I don't like them. I just thought they were going to be kind of good, and they've been good so far, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's start with, um, I guess as I like to say, the news of the day, Kyle Dubas, Kelly's general manager goes to Switzerland to negotiate with William Nylander and his reps. Uh, did they just pick, like, a neutral country? with like, <laughs> like, yeah, let's go to, you know what? We need neutral ground. Let's go to Switzerland, hammer this thing out. No, uh, this has been one of the more intriguing holdouts in a while. He's actually not playing, which you don't see. Usually someone caves at this point. Uh, he's just holding out and waiting, and Toronto looks pretty good without him. 
Is that gonna is that can they hold that against him? Kasperi Kapanen looks really good playing with Austin Matthews. I don't know how you couldn't look good playing with Austin Matthews. Uh, but do you expect this to get resolved anytime soon? I yeah, I think it's definitely going to. Um, and also, I think it is kind of intriguing that they're not really missing him too much at all. Um, I don't know if you can hold it against him, but I think it certainly can be used as leverage in a contract negotiation. Um, what I think is like kind of interesting, um, and I think Charlie talked about this last week, is that, um, oh my god, I totally lost my train of thought. I'm getting a cold, fam, and it's apparently infecting my brain. I'll come back. Come back to me. I'll remember. <laughs> okay, I'll jump in. <laughs> uh, so I don't necessarily think that that uh, the fact that Toronto is starting out the season very strong and they're scoring a ton of goals. I don't think that necessarily increases Toronto's leverage. But I think what it, like if Toronto would have started out the season poorly it would have increased Nylander's leverage. Like, that was Nylander's kind of gamble. I, I don't think, like, Nylander is still kind of in the same boat. Like, the only way it really increases Toronto's leverage is if Toronto is actually willing to say, yeah, we we legitimately don't need you. Like, they still want him. They still want him on the team. And they still basically promised John Tavares when he signed that they were going to keep the core together. So there, there's there's a degree of, like, yeah, I know they've already signed Tavares. It's not like he can, he can rip up the contract. But, like, you probably want to keep him happy and don't want him to think that, like, you flat out lied to him in the first year of his deal. But... If Toronto would have started the season poorly, then they might have had to give Nylander the the mill or two more that they don't want to give him. But the fact they're doing well, they just they can just kind of hold to their to their their hard line. So it hurts Nylander in the sense that I think Nylander was hoping for a boost from a not that great start, and instead Toronto is just blowing the doors off of everybody offensively. So he's just not getting that boost. Okay, I remembered. Hey, I'm sure you'll be thrilled to hear. Um, I think it was Charlie that mentioned it last week. That I, I feel like Dubas's challenge at this point is to sell William Nylander on the same kind of pyramid scheme that worked so well for Chicago at the start of their dynasty in that he obviously William Nylander, if he were an unrestricted free agent on the open market, would get a ton more money than he's going to get from Toronto. Um, but Dubas needs to find a way to make him happy with what they're willing to pay him, that they can afford to pay him knowing everyone that they have to pay coming up here in the next couple of years. And I mean, I'm, I'm willing to bet if anybody can do that, it's Kyle Dubas. Um, and also, I mean, the fact remains that if you're a young player who's good at hockey, there are worse fates than having to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the next couple of years. Yeah. And that's, I can't believe they can't come to some sort of bridge. The idea that 60 back to back 61 point seasons, you know, demands eight plus million dollars as as he is i guess that's mostly projection like well if i'm this good at this age i i i, I don't know it just i don't i don't know how they're gonna do this i feel there is a there is a formula and it, it, it for them to field a competent team depending on how many guys they have to pay but there is there are gonna have to be some cuts somewhere uh, you're looking at what their defense is doing right now. Uh, Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner. Obviously, Riley's already signed. Gardner's right there putting up some points. So you're going to have to either commit to him or let him walk at some point because, like you said, you can't pay anybody. And you're going to have to let 
you're going to have to get some guys to buy into the take less. And it's not going to be Austin Matthews. It's not like you can convince Austin Matthews to take less if he is your best guy. So it's going to have to be Marner. It's going to have to be Nylander. And I, I can't believe, like, I feel like we should be hearing more trade rumors. Right? Right. What? I, I was just going to say, like, yes. Like, why is this league so boring? Like, how has no one... Like, you're looking at a team that has to sign William Nylander, that has to sign Austin Matthews, that has to sign Mitch Marner, that has to sign Jake Gardner over the next two or three seasons. They have $12 million in cap space now, which is, yeah, a lot, but not when you have all that hanging on the horizon. How has no one offer sheeted this kid? Like, well, why but, are they so boring? But we go, I, we go back to this every week. I'm I'm certain that that they talk to people. I don't think Nylander wants to leave. Like the reason why this is not interesting from a like why aren't teams trying to poach Nylander is because Nylander wants to be in Toronto and because Toronto wants Nylander. So like they're not shopping him and Nylander isn't go isn't putting the word out to to agents and other teams that like hey if you offer sheet me I'll sign. Like I think so that's really you think that's how it works. You think that the initial kind of vibe comes from the player not oh, just absolutely. gms being like hey i'm gonna try this 100 percent. i i there's no way that that team's just like you know it's not like nylander wakes up one morning he's got a contract offer on his you know in his email from from his agent out of the blue i mean this is all discussed i'm sure you know weeks in advance you know whether hey if we were to offer she you do have interest yeah i'd have interest okay what you know what what contract are you looking for like sure it's all technically tampering i guess but like, come on! There's no way these conversations aren't aren't had at least in in a, a general idea of. And plus, they're I guess he's a free agent, so I don't know if it really would would qualify as tampering because yeah, he's restricted, but he's still technically unsigned. So I guess it wouldn't even be tampering. I just don't think Nylander wants to leave. He he knows they're building something great there, and Toronto likes him too. Even if I get the impression they like him the least out of the the big three, you know they definitely like Matthews the most, and I get the feeling they like Marner more than Nylander. So Nylander was just the guy who they were going to try to use to you know save a mill or two. And to to Nylander's credit, he doesn't seem to be budging. Like what's probably going to happen here, and I think Myrtle wrote an article about it this morning was they're probably going to agree to a bridge deal, which yeah. is going to help Toronto in the short term in terms of like staying under the cap. But in four or five years when that bridge deal expires, then it's going to be really hard to pay Nylander if he continues to progress the way we expect him to. Yeah. That's the thing. If he signs a bridge deal and is immediately right back next to Matthews and Austin Matthews is putting up two points a game. Like he is right now, obviously that's not going to sustain him. Just he has knows, a point though. In, he has a point in every or multiple points in every game so far this season. My fantasy team just, is very happy. Yeah, you throw him right next to you throw him right next to Matthews, and boom, he's putting up these. All of a sudden, he's a hundred point guy. That eight million is going to seem like a real deal, and you definitely can't afford him at that point. I wasn't even talking about an offer sheet per se. I just more thought, like, how do you not? I'm not just saying the Flyers. I'm just because I'm intimately, you know, I, I'm I'm well versed in their farm system and what they have. If if I'm the Flyers, I'm calling them up and going, "Hey, you need you need Sanheim and two firsts for William Nylander." Like, I don't know. I feel like we should be hearing more of that coming out. But if it's just out there that we're not trading him, so why even waste the cell phone minutes? Uh, I, I get it. I don't know. I just feel like we should be hearing more teams are knocking on the door for a guy who isn't signed two weeks into the regular season. 
It would be nice if the NHL was fun, but as we all know, the NHL is not fun. The NHL is not fun. That's true. All right, guys. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what is fun though. Uh, weed is legal in Canada, and Connor McDavid says, "Smoke up, kids." Uh, that is, of course, not what he said. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. That would be yeah. amazing. It would be if he was just like, hey, 14-year-olds, know what you should be doing? Getting high, just like the best player in hockey. Uh, he didn't actually come out and say that. He just, eh, talking about the science of using uh, a lot of things we've talked about on BSH Radio before. Of course, a little while ago, we uh, we interviewed Riley Cote about the science of, of cannabis and how you can use it as an alternative for, you know, the things that are terrible for you, like alcohol and opioids. And it's, you know, it, it's a discussion in the NHL right now. But one thing that's kind of intrigued me is all these articles, and Kelly, I didn't get to yours today, but I hope you can talk about it. Uh, but the two articles I linked here is it's like, oh yeah, the NHL, even though it's legal in Canada now, the NHL doesn't seem to be changing its rules. And then when you look at the rules, why would they? Like, I get that, yeah, it's legal, so why even have it on the banned substance list? But you don't get suspended for it yeah. unless you get arrested with it get a DUI, or, like, you fail for other drugs like Coke and Ecstasy, too. Uh, I, the NHL is by far the most progressive when it comes to cannabis use because they know their players are self-medicating and they'd prefer them to do this than, you know, pop a bunch of painkillers and go out and drinking. Um, I, I don't know. It's being framed very oddly to me by the, uh, by the Canadian media. So I can talk a bit about the, I linked to an article in, that was um, on Sportsnet today. Um, and it was pretty interesting because it tells the story of a guy that they are referring to as Bud, which is of course funny. <laughs> um, but they say that he is a recently retired NHL player who played for, a, you know, a lengthy career and now works in an NHL front office and is trying to now build a career on that side of things. Um, and he kind of talks pretty openly about the fact that he is a regular user of marijuana, that he was a regular user of marijuana when he was playing hockey, that he wasn't the only one. Um, I think he says in here that um, 60 to 70% of the players in the league smoke marijuana, um, that there's more now than when he came into the league. Um, yeah, so it was kind of interesting that it, it just seems to be if this guy is, you know, accurate, and I have no reason to believe he's not because it's Sportsnet, um, you know, it's kind of an open secret that it's happening and everyone knows it and nobody really cares because it doesn't affect the on-ice product in any negative way whatsoever. And in fact, it's probably better than, like you said, guys, you know, getting addicted to alcohol like Todd Fedoric did or getting addicted to opioids like Mike Richards did and effectively ruining their careers. Yeah, I uh, the Riley Cote, the one article that quotes Cote in it that I had, he said when he was playing, you know, which was almost 10 years ago at this point when he stopped playing, um, it was like 50 to 60% of guys were using cannabis, and now, uh, you know, it's got to be higher just because it's so much more readily available. There are teams in places like, you know, Colorado and Washington, D.C., where you can just go get it in a store. Now it's all over Canada, not to mention... I, like I think that percentage of people in the world do it, and but it is funny just because you look at suspensions in other sports, especially football and uh, and and baseball, 
where they have more stringent drug testing, like, nobody fails drug tests. Or no one gets suspended for failing drug tests in the NHL. Of course, they suspend all drug testing in the playoffs. If you've ever seen the first shift of the first playoff game, you can bet why. Um, I, I just... It, it just seems that the NHL has the most laissez-faire attitude to towards pretty much everything except, of course, fun uh, on the ice, in which case if you have fun, you get punched in the face. But everything else, it, I, I don't know. I appreciate the NHL's stance on this. I wish they were a little harder on some other things, but I, this is definitely a step in the right direction in terms of players' health, I would say. Yeah, well, I guess this is one of the benefits. Like, the, the, we always talk about all the negatives of hockey culture. This may be one of the benefits of it in that, like, the NHL is run by former players. Like, it, Gary Bettman may not be a former player, but really what it boils down to is everything the NHL does is run by the old boys network, and yeah. most of the old boys network is former players. And quite frankly, most of the old boys probably smoked weed. So, like, they're not going to give, they're not going to, you know, make it harder for the younger kids to do the same because they know they did it. Like, you know, honestly, that's probably what it boils down to. I, I would definitely agree with that. Guys who are more well-versed in hockey culture having a say in these sort of, like, I mean, Jesus Christ, George Paros works for the league. Like, it's not just the Brendan Shanahan's of the world. It's every freaking former player gets a job with the league. Yeah, if you, exactly. If you ever played for the Flyers, you probably got a job after your career was over at one point or another. <laughs> uh, if you got yeah. hit in the face with a puck, you are forever exempt from, I guess, uh, your an evaluation of your actual, uh, you know, talent. But uh, now I've digressed. Uh, yeah, I just I find this stuff interesting just because I'm interested in hockey culture and where it's going, and that's where I want to take this next thing. Um, do you think we're seeing more dirty plays and cheap shots since fighting is basically gone? Uh, I'm talking, I, this came up with, uh, Matt Matheson body slamming Elias Pettersson. There was zero response to that. There have been, I think, 13 fights so far in this season, which is 0.17 a game. And that's like the fifth straight year it's been down. Uh, do we think there is a correlation as much as we've said, oh, there's no deterrent. Is there? I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess my thing is I don't think there are that many dirty plays. Um, like the only thing that the only thing that did pop up, and I guess kind of got dealt with a couple years ago, was the the constant slashing of of players' hands and wrists and stuff. Um, they did you know make that an emphasis. I'm not sure if it's still an emphasis or not. You know, based on that. Uh, the play in the auto was it the Ottawa game where Ghost got slashed like five times and then got a basically got a stick in the in the crotch and yeah one to the balls and three to the wrist and, yeah oh, it was yeah, like nope that's okay against. we're gonna let yeah. a goal be scored no it was it was the Vegas game right because Belmar scored that goal in right, transition right, right, the right, right. goal I think that's um, the so maybe that's not an emphasis at all anymore I'm not sure uh, but I just I, I don't feel like cheap shots are a major issue I do agree with you though Bill in that. You know the players absolutely are are de incentivized to you know to not stand up for their teammates. You know because if they do, especially in a close game, you're going to get chucked out of the game. You know, you you are you are de incentivized to you know this whole instigation thing and whatnot. So yeah, it happens less. I'm just not sure if cheap shots are actually up as a result. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's I think I, it's it. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say I I think that my main issue is that like the focus is supposed to be on getting head hits out of the game. And even if they're not dirty, 
there doesn't seem to be like it doesn't seem like players are going that far out of their way to not nail a guy in the head um and i don't know if they did penalize the ones that were blatant a little bit more um like even the nolan patrick hit to the boards i thought was a little bit questionable um if really i mean it was a little i i, I didn't think it, i don't think I it should have been fine. a suspension but i think it should have been a penalty but really that just looked like a bump to me yeah I thought the Limblom one deserved one, something. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of that one. The Limblom one, I think. Yeah, that's the one where he kind of drove his forearm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the one I'm thinking of. But again, like, I don't like over-legislating stuff. If that had just been a penalty on the ice, I'd be absolutely cool with it. You know, that's fine. Give him two minutes for boarding, because it was boarding. But, uh, like, to tell me that we're trying to get headshots out of the game and then allow something like that to happen, as incidental as it was, I know we, we, we did a whole thing about this. I don't want to harp on it. I, I will say, like Charlie said, I, I think the perception is the cheap shots and stuff are up because we see a gif of it 900 times. Oh, my God, that's a really like, good point. I've seen the – like, I did not watch that Vancouver game, but I've seen the Elias Pettersson body, body slam – a hundred times from every account I follow, people are tweeting me like, hey, what do you think about this? There was no response, blah, blah. And I will say, it's like in baseball when the pitcher's just expected to throw at a guy um, while it is disincentivized. Like, someone needs to do something about that. You can't let that shit fly. Like, when Yuri Laterra cross-checked whoever in the back the other night. Yeah, that's, you know, he gets a penalty for it, but in a locker room... Players appreciate when their teammates have their backs, and that's why Wayne Simmons, yeah, it sucks he got that 10 the other night, but such is life. You can't let that shit fly when you're part of a team. It is a team sport, and guys need to feel that trust, and that part being disincentivized I hate, especially when officiating and supplemental discipline is so inconsistent. Yeah, that, you that's can't, the big thing. You can't count on the power play. Like, okay, you know, there's no response to that hit on Limblom. The, well, there was. Uh, it was uh, Dale Weiss threw that nice hit and everything. But you can't just jump the guy because, okay, no, we're going to get our power play. Our power play's good. Let's deal with that. There wasn't a power play, so now if we jump him, we get hurt twice. We lose Limblom, and we're on the penalty kill. Yeah, there's definitely a... Um... There's definitely a problem there where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to make it so you can't immediately go after a guy who cheap shots your player, that's fine. But then you have to, there has to be a degree of trust that that player is going to get the book thrown at him after the game. You know, even if he only gets a, like a minor penalty or a major penalty or whatever, you know, you have to, you have to be able to, to be able to let that go. There has to be a feeling of, well, okay, we're not going to go beat the crap out of him now, but he'll be suspended for 10 games. And there just isn't that trust. I mean, the, the Tom Wilson suspension was a step in the right direction without a doubt, but there isn't that trust that the that the Department of Player Safety is going to do that because for so long they've set precedents that they won't do that, so now they almost are stuck not being able to do that um, because, you know, it'll get— it possibly could get brought down on appeal or it hasn't been collectively bargained or whatever. So that is an issue that, that, you know, you've, you've made it. So it's harder for players to do it on the ice, but you're also not punishing the, the real problems off the ice. That's a problem. And actually to get back to something that Bill just said, it does make a lot of sense that it's perceived that there are more because of the whole Twitter culture surrounding hockey plays now and like if you slow down just about any hit 
to as slow as some of these people slow them down, they can be dirty or clean every sure. single time. Yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, and if you're watching these things 800 times and you want them to be dirty, they're going to be dirty. Oh yeah, it's definitely your pers- perspective. And ev- and listen, what drew me to hockey as a young kid was it's a violent game. Uh, I, I like the aggression and the passion that is in hockey. My, I have a Frank Bialois bobblehead behind me. I don't want to take that shit out of the game. Like I just, there's got to be some sort of happy medium between the legislation of the hits and teams and players and teams policing themselves. I don't, I, I don't know what it is because yeah. it is such a fast game. I, I just think it's being whatever they're doing now. It's being done wrong, Charlie. To, you just brought up the CBA, and this is totally off topic, and we're just going to spend a second on it. The fact that there's no domestic violence policy. No, there's really no, like, off-ice incident policy whatsoever. How the hell are you any sort of major corporation, comp- like, I gotta believe Walmart has a domestic violence policy, let alone the NFL, you know? Like, how doesn't hockey? I mean, I think what it boils down to is their their domestic violence, violence policy was just, well, the commissioner decides. The commissioner has full discretion, and... I guess the, the the problem is is that you know as sad as this is before you know the the you know really before the last couple of years it should have been viewed as more of a problem in society than it actually was viewed and I think because of that you know it was easy for leagues to just sort of you know lump lump every you know off ice issue kind of into one thing I mean look at not not to equate the two but like look at um look at the fact that you know, in the 90s, there was no steroid policy. Like, you know, players in baseball were using performance-enhancing drugs for years, but there was no steroid policy. So, like, technically, the guy, I mean, yeah, it was illegal, but there was nothing collectively bargained on how you're going to punish these guys. Then it became an issue, and the next collective bargaining process, they they bargained one in, and then there was a policy. Like, it's going to happen that, you know, whenever this next lockout happens, I'm sure they'll collectively bargain some type of, of domestic violence policy. But, you know, the sad thing is, is that before the last couple years, years i just don't think it was viewed by the powers that be as something that was worth a standalone policy i appreciate the fact that charlie you just throw out whenever this next lockout happens and (laughs) kelly and i just accept that because it's a fucking fact absolutely i think we all know that whenever what is it 2020 this 2020 2021 i can't remember it's it's like a a foregone conclusion at the end of every single one of these agreements they're going to lock out it's great. At least we at least we know we can get a resolution to an issue like that. Like, oh, this was an oversight by the league. Well, in like two, three years, we'll fix that anyway because we're going to be locked out. We can we can talk about it for a couple hours, hammer out a policy. Like, at least we know we can get that out of these, right? <laughs> oh, my God, this fucking league, man. Oh, my God. I love it so. Like, I'm just sitting there watching the Vegas. Uh, I can't even remember who they were playing last night. Um the Vegas game and thinking, you know what? I love this sport. And I just like, it's pissing me off. Cause I got to pay for NHL TV, which means the NHL gets my money, but I'm enjoying the game so much. And the league is so effed up, but I guess they all are. All right, let's move on to what I was talking about. Uh, in the beginning of the show, how I, I want to brag about the devils being good fam. Uh, they're the only remaining undefeated team in the league. Uh, 
they have only played four games because they had that preseason in Europe going on. They went over to uh, Switzerland to honor Nico Heeshier and things like that. But they beat Edmonton 5-2. No real big deal there. I guess Connor McDavid probably had both goals. Uh, they shut out Washington 6-0. That's a big one. Uh, they beat the Sharks 3-2. Sharks haven't had the best start, but we saw what they were capable of against the Flyers. And they most recently shut out Dallas 3-0. Something called a Keith Kincaid is tied for the league lead in save percentage. He's been absolutely awesome. How do they do this? How do they just constantly have a goalie? How? I that's the know thing how, that's most Charlie. annoying to me. The Flyers are claiming Cal yeah. Pickard off waivers and signing Neuvert to expansion, ex extensions after he's the worst goalie in hockey and hoping that there's something left in the Brian Elliott tank. And How do they just manufacture goaltenders? If if this team is is like legitimately good again, I'm just gonna have to determine that that John Hines is just one of the best coaches in hockey. Because right? this team, because this team is not good. Like I'm sorry, top to bottom, this team is not a good team. And and if if they somehow pull out like 45 wins, John Hines is just a top five coach in the NHL. It's simple as that. That would be real annoying if all these free like. The Penguins are what they are, but I, I I believe their coach to be very good. If the Penguins just have this awesome coach, and we're sitting here with Dave goddamn Hackstall, that's really just going to bum me out. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the Devils a lot today because we've got them coming up this weekend. um, Or, no, next week, right? This weekend? I, I don't know. I don't, look at, point, I don't look at the schedule very closely, to be yeah, honest. At some point, we're playing the Devils. But anyway... Yeah, if you look it's one at that, of our Saturday games, I believe. Yeah, it must be Saturday then. If you look at this roster, like after like Palmieri and like Heeshear and Taylor Hall, like that's about it. And Palmieri, he's not even that good. Well, that's like the thing. He's I, he not has seven he, goals like, in is. four games, and he's not that good. <laughs> and that's the thing that they're four and zero. Like, Taylor Hall isn't going. The reigning MVP really hasn't played close to the level he played last year, not producing at that level. Uh, again, this gives me no pleasure, except in I thought when we were doing our preseason predictions, the Devils would be better than the group thought. And, through again, they could lose their next 78 games in a row, and I look like an asshole. Like, who, but... in, the, who in the actual fuck <laughs> is, is John Sebastian Dia? <laughs> Who is this guy? You just made that up. He's he not. Exist. He has three goals in four games. Who is this guy? Oh, that's and that's the Devils, man. That's like, goddamn. Scott Gomez is going to score against the Flyers this week. I guarantee it. Patrick Elias is going to come down from the rafters, put in a hat trick. It's it's the Devils. The the shit just happens. It's who they are. It's why they still have a team in goddamn New Jersey. You, you got the Flyers and you got the Rangers. It's a team that shouldn't exist. But the Flyers and Rangers have been sitting here with their thumbs up their asses for twenty plus years. The Devils go to the Stanley Cup Finals every five. I, 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 I mean, to be fair, still no one goes to their games. No, they don't. But they make just enough to keep the team there. <laughs> They haven't been relocated to Winnipeg, so I just—it's an interesting story. But uh, I, I mentioned McDavid uh, probably having something to do with the two goals against the Devils because he's had something to do with every goal the Oilers have scored so far. He has a point on all nine goals they have. Well, it was and... un until the uh, until the overtime one, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. They oh, got one. balls. Yeah, they got one without him in the in the overtime. 
That was the very first goal. Like, yeah, this is this is the closest thing you have to a one-man team in, 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 that I've ever seen in the NHL. Like, they are so bad, and he is the entire team. And, like, you, and then you hear people, you know, well, maybe McDavid isn't actually that good because how could he be that good if the team is so bad? It's like, the team really is this bad. It really is this goddamn awful. Yeah, he broke a, a 31-year-old record for uh, most goals, like most consecutive goals to start the year, I guess, that you had a point on for your team. Uh, and it's 86-87, Adam Oates. And if you think about what the scoring numbers were back then and what they are now, it's uh, it's pretty damn impressive. Kelly, you have something here that's uh, even more impressive. Maybe not more, but... This ice time that he's racking up as a forward, he's putting up a defenseman's numbers. And I get it. You know, he's the best player in the world, and he's their only shot at being competitive, so you want him to play as much as possible. But he's going to break records for, for his uh, like ice time and even strength ice time as a forward, no? I mean, they're they're going to kill him is what's <laughs> going to happen. Like, <laughs> like he's, he's going to, like, drop dead sometime around, like, I don't know, early January. Well, does he, uh, I mean, I, I should probably know this. Does he kill penalties? Is he on their penalty kill? I mean, he probably should be considering he's the fastest player in the world, but I feel like the, uh, most of the forwards who have crazy high, um, you know, who have crazy high time on ice numbers, they tend to be like, like Couturier, Barkoff, Kopitar, like the, the Selkie contender type forwards. And I just wasn't sure if McDavid is used like that, or if they're just like giving him every third shift at five on five. Which, again, I would never, like, that makes sense, but it's it just that you don't usually see that. Um, I didn't, I haven't watched any Oilers games this season yet, um, but the way, it was, this was, this came out of um, Friedman's 31 Thoughts today, this information. Um, the way that it's presented, it, it makes it, he doesn't explicitly say that it's five-on-five five ice time, so it's probably not. Oh, it's definitely um, not. I just was curious as to, like, how he was getting to that number. But, That's... yeah, it, it makes it seem like it's not penalty kill minutes like it the way that Freeman's presenting it is that it's some kind of remarkable feat that he's playing this much time he's at 23 24 total and averaging over 19 uh 1928 at even strength and since the nhl began keeping count of ice time uh, only one forward has ever averaged 19 even strength minutes in a season, and that was, a, you know, again, the fastest skater in the world at the time, Pavel Bure, 19-12 in 2000-2001. So it's, he's putting up huge numbers, and it is at even strength as well. Uh, it doesn't seem like if it's 23-24 total and it's 19-28 at even strength, uh, yeah, it doesn't I'm, seem like he's killing penalties. But you think yeah. he would. It looks like he he does kill penalties, but oh, okay. it's pretty but it's but it's pretty low. He averages right. so he's not like a yeah twenty eight seconds per game uh, on the penalty kill, and yeah, so it's it's basically just even strength and power play, which is batshit insane. Like he's he's obviously on the top power play, you know why wouldn't he be? But yeah. the even strength and the even strength ice time he's he's riding right now is unreal. That's unreal. Yeah. I mean, we should have known that he wasn't killing penalties because, as we all know, you can't use good hockey players to kill penalties. <laughs> no, of course not. That's, Why would one do that? And I guess, like, I guess he's got to get a rest at some point if he's playing 19 even strength minutes and he's your whole team and he's on your number one power play. I guess he needs rest at some point. But if I'm a coach, 
I'm sitting there thinking the possibility of you know him challenging the point man and all those breakaways he would get. It's like when the Devils were using Kovalchuk on the penalty kill. Like, yeah, you have the most lethal breakaway player in hockey. Why wouldn't you try? Like, if 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 they just hit him with the puck, it's a goal. You know, he he doesn't even have to try all that hard and could be pretty effective at it. But and we started we started out today talking about the uh, talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I guess it's still, you know, McDavid is still the best player in the world. And Matthews is pretty damn good. Is it even worth the debate? Because Austin Matthews is killing it right now. Seven seven multi-point games to start the season. Uh, let me, you know, Bossy, Stevens, Lemieux, Gretzky. These are the guys he's uh, he's being compared to right now with those numbers. He is just killing it. He's better than I thought he was going to be. I realize because we were told, oh, yeah, well, McDavid's the generational guy and Matthews is right behind him. I was like, all right, yeah, but it's... I kind of thought we were just being told that because Toronto was getting him. Like, he's not McDavid, but he's probably second best. Is there an argument to be made that Matthews is maybe just as good? I don't know. I I feel like... It's an unfair comparison just because, as we just said, Connor McDavid is the entire team in Edmonton, and Austin Matthews has the benefit of A, being surrounded by really talented players, and B, not having the insane pressure of carrying both an entire team and an entire franchise and an entire city on his back. Um, so I think that probably makes things a little bit easier on him. I mean, it's not to say, not to like diminish in any way what Matthews is doing. He's obviously an exceptional hockey player, but I just feel like if the situations were equal, if Connor McDavid had even a little bit of help in Edmonton, it probably wouldn't be a conversation. I think that he would be far and away the better player. I don't think it's a real conversation. I mean, it's fun what Matthews is doing. And I, I, there's a reason why I picked him to, to win the heart this year, but McDavid, I just think is, he's just he's on another level in terms of his impact and it's it's okay it's not a slight against Matthews to believe that he's not in McDavid's you know realm right now and obviously Matthews is off to an amazing start but as I said to kick off the show I mean we're talking about literally you know two weeks a week and a half for for some teams like give you I'm sure there have been times where McDavid over a six or seven game stretch has looked even better than Matthews has during this, his best stretch of his career. Oh yeah. And like, that's the thing like Kelly was getting to when you seven straight multi-point games is huge. But when you compare the teammates and that's, I was trying to like come up with an, because you know, I like the debates and I like these sorts of, Oh, is, is it actually Matthews? Who's just as good as Mc- I like this stuff. I think it's fun. Uh, it's ultimately meaningless. They're, they're both excellent. I would kill for either of them. They're both good enough one sees to win a cup one day, and that's you know that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can absolutely win with these guys. You know, leading your team. Um, I was trying to come up with stuff like, how could I? Po- Is perhaps McDavid too fast? That his there's no way his line mates can possibly keep up with him, and that's part of the problem. <laughs> that he's actually too good, and therefore his line mates are just sitting there watching. It's like if LeBron played with a bunch of little kids. Like <laughs> I, for one, am shocked that Milan Lucic can't keep up with Connor McDavid. <laughs> like maybe truly shocking. <laughs> maybe he's so good, it's actually 
not good for the team. I that mean, was... <laughs> n- number one, there's no way that's actually the case. Number I... two, that this goes back to something <laughs> we've talked about on this show a couple times, which is how utterly insane the idea of the Edmonton front office of, hey, we've got the fastest player in the world. Let's surround him with a bunch of big, slow guys. Oh, like, God. you literally were spotted. I'm not just a generational hockey player, but maybe the fastest functional hockey player in NHL history. And you could have easily just surrounded him with a bunch of Carl Haglins and just ran teams out of the rink. And instead you're like, nope, can't do that because speed can't win championships. You got to have five Milan Lucic's around this guy because balance. Yeah, we like, need You could have made the most fun hockey team in existence and you went this route. Like, and thanks, guys. The thing about it is... It's like the Carl Haglund thing, I understand. It's hypothetical. It's just like, hey, if we just had guys who could skate, we could just skate circles around everybody. You had Taylor Hall. He was there. (laughs) He was actually there. Imagine what that pairing would be. Um, And then you could actually play Leon Dreisaitl on your second line and have, oh, my God. It's so I love it because you don't deserve what you have over there. Like the, your embarrassment of of lottery luck and all that shit. I'm glad you're a tire fire, but for just the good of the game, what you could have for the good of good decision making, for the good of sanity. Imagine what they could have, and it's just a joke. They're an absolute freaking joke. It's entertaining <laughs> as hell, and we get to make fun of it on this show, and that's great. But like. Just for hockey in general, my God, we could be watching the uh, resurgent Oilers, like the 80s Oilers. They have the best player in the world, and I'm sitting here like, maybe he's so much better than his teammates, it's bad. Like, that's what I'm talking about. So, um, just to give Charlie's little website, theathletic.com, a little plug. Bill, did you read um, Sean McIndoe's Matthews McDavid comparison article? I actually have, and I have it bookmarked right now, and I it's haven't ex- read it yet. It's extremely funny. I would suggest that anyone listening to this go out and get yourself a trial subscription through one of Charles's articles, and then read. Yeah. This uh, down goes brown <laughs> thing because it's it's very funny. Like um, I'll just read one of them that made me laugh a lot. Um, Matthews secretly worried that the Maple Maple Leafs might trade dynamic winger William Nylander. McDavid secretly wondering what mediocre defenseman the Maple Leafs would get for dynamic wo- winger William Nylander. Like it's just, <laughs> it's very, it's like classic down goes brown. It's very funny. It, oh, it is kind, yeah, it, it is kind of funny. Like because now Jesse Puljujarvi is the guy who like they're not really using using him in like the fourth line, and I don't know if he's going to be what they expected him to be, but you know that they're going to trade him for some actually bad defenseman because they're always looking for defensemen because every defenseman they trade one of their good forwards for ends up being bad. Um, so like, who is it going to be? Like I was, I was thinking like, what's it going to be? They're going to trade him to Pittsburgh for like Ole Mata or something because they think he's good. Um, like what, what other, perhaps they'd like a Radko Gudis. Cause it has to be a Metro team. They only make these trades with Metro teams. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay, who, who, who's bad? Like they're going to trade him to Cal- Carolina for Hayden Flurry. Like who's it going to be? Who's going to be the crappy defenseman they get thinking is going to solve their problems. I mean, if they're looking for crappy defensemen, I have a whole crop of them right here. <laughs> they they practice in Voorhees and play their games in South Philadelphia. They're not hard to find. There's a whole bunch of them. I'll take a Jesse Puglia-Yarvey, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm just going to say this, and I, I say this as someone who thinks that he is off to a good start, but, like, I could totally see Edmonton trade for Robert Haig. 
Oh, oh yes. without a doubt. I've thought that on multiple occasions. Like that that's a that's an Edmonton guy. Leaves the league and hits. Come on. Come on. Gotta protect our star who <laughs> for fuck winning. We just gotta keep him healthy to sell jerseys, man. All right, so what is this, Kelly, about Crosby's off to his traditional slow start? Only uh, this time, shot quality also stinks. Is that the whole thing? Pretty. It's pretty much the the whole article is. Um, so obviously, people like to make a big deal about the fact that Sidney Crosby, I think, has like no points in his first five games. But apparently, he slow starts a lot of seasons, and then obviously picks right up into Crosby form. But apparently, this season a lot of his shots that he's making aren't even getting through to the net. Mm. So they're kind of postulating that maybe this season's slow start is more of a bigger deal than the other season's slow start. But like we said at the beginning of the show, I am not willing to bet that Sidney Crosby is actually bad at hockey now just because he's had a bad first five games. Yeah, that's I'm like, I acknowledge that he's probably been surpassed talent-wise mm-hmm. by the McDavid's of the world. Um, and that's just that's just the evolution of sports. Like, McDavid at this point grew up watching Sidney Crosby, you know? Um, but I just feel like they haven't ripped it away from him yet. And I would love for it to be over for Crosby. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he's one of the best players I ever watched. And until one of these guys really has, like, a Conn Smythe-worthy run, I can't fully say they've ripped it away from him. Uh, I, I expect him to get it going. When you're a veteran team like that, I wouldn't take October all that seriously either when I've got three cups under my belt and I'm just trying to get through to the playoffs. Uh, but maybe, it, I mean, it, it, it everyone slows down eventually. Yeah, this does seem to be a yearly thing. Um, yeah, where yeah. it's like, oh, is, is Sidney Crosby, you know, not Sidney Crosby anymore? And like the hard truth of it is, is that yeah, he's not Sidney Crosby anymore in the sense that he's not the no doubt about it best player in the world anymore. Like he is getting older. He's not as good as he was four or five years ago, but he's still really freaking good. Yeah. Like so, I you know, if you're expecting him to fall off a cliff, that's not going to happen. But no, he's he's not as good as he used to be. And I I bet you know you. I don't even know if he drinks alcohol. I bet he had he got a couple of beers in him. He'd admit that too. He's not as good as he used to be. I'm sure you know you say in public, yeah, I'm I, I do everything I used to be able to do, but he can. He's not as he's probably not as fast. He probably gets banged up a little bit more after games. It takes longer to recover. Like yeah, it's a it, for him. It's an 82 game marathon, and he wants to be at his best for the playoffs. And I mean, as someone who who watched him torch the Flyers in the playoffs, he certainly succeeded at that last year. So yeah, and that's like uh, and, and part of it is his game. I always said the dude's a third-line grinder with the best hands in the world. Like, he, it's not... I know we like to paint a picture of crybaby Crosby here in Philly, and when I go to games as a fan, I'll chant Crosby sucks as hard as anybody. Fact of the matter is, uh, he remind of... Like, the guy he reminds me most of is goddamn... Like, when I've watched tape of Bobby Clark. Like, yeah, he's a diva and he's a superstar, but he also grinds. And I, I just... I. I've always admired that part of his game from afar, but that does wear on you. Like, when you're in the corners winning battles rather than just getting to the slot and taking shots like a, uh, like you know, an Ovechkin or one of the snipers like that, it probably does wear on you, and he is in his 30s now. Is he even in his 30s, or is he, like, 32? No, he's 31. Because 31, he, Well, because his number's 87, so he's 87. Oh, right. My God, this guy, like, why isn't he 100 yet? just freaking die already (laughs) buy the fucking team and retire like mario eventually did 
go to go to the KHL like Yager. All right, guys. I guess that's that's really all we have. That's all the time we have. Any any closing? Anything else before I just throw it away? No, I think we did a good job here tonight. So that is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the BSH Radio podcast feed. My name is Bill Matz for Kelly and Charlie. Have a great week, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.